Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. MichaelsFlooringOutlet.com. And welcome to Overnight America. All right. This Tuesday, we're waiting for more of the primary results. I'm sure you'll get those when they come in. And Sean Michael Isle has been updating those. You heard some of the preliminary ones that came in, the absentee ballots. We'll see how that goes. And it's interesting the way they decided to hold the election this year, where you could just vote for as many as you want, which is strange. I don't think I've ever have actually participated in an election that would allow something like, well, not like that, not similar to this. I mean, I, you, on the ballot, you've been able to vote for more than one judge, for example, or something like that. But in uh, one person, a uh, primary for a mayor seat or a senator or a president, you know, it doesn't really work that way. Or even in your high school, when you had to vote for who the prom king and queen were going to be. I don't remember uh, ever voting in that. By the way, I didn't go to my prom. When I was in high school, I thought that was a giant waste of time and a waste of money. So instead, I just hung out with my friends, and I enjoyed that a lot more. And I don't, I'm not regretful at all from that. Did you notice today uh, the thing that got social media going was this tornado warning that came through. Earlier, I got the text message that said, we're going to be initiating our sirens. It's the statewide siren test. And normally they send those out about 10 minutes or so before it happens, which is, you know, a nice courtesy. It's just, just a reminder that these things are going to happen. And then about 10 minutes later, it happened. But what happened along with it this time is that the EAS thing on my phone started going crazy. The the beeping and whatever it was started uh, going off. And it shouldn't have done that. The tornado warning alert was a mistake. It should have been just a test. The National Weather Service apologized for the mistake in sending out a real tornado warning in Missouri. But when I hopped on social media, people were talking about the mistake. But what they were mostly joking about is that in the Midwest, when there is a tornado, you don't hide. What they do is they read the text message that says, get indoors to the lowest level, interior walls, you know, stay away from windows, you know, things like that. They give you the tips of what you should do. Get into a basement. Get into this or that. Uh, shelter now. They say all of these things during the emergencies, the real emergencies. But when it's bright and sunny out, no storms around, uh, people are reminiscent of the times when they get these alerts, when they're an actual emergency, and they like to stand out on their front porch or uh, an open garage door to look at the skies to see if they can witness a tornado <laughs> with their own eyes. Why is that such a Midwest thing? How come no one is intimidated by tornadoes? They should be. They're serious. Very serious. 
The statewide tornado drill was scheduled today at 10 a.m. Normally, the different sirens on uh, uh, it's on Mondays that they decide to put the test out. It's usually like the first Monday of the month. I can't remember. I guess it may vary depending on where you live. But I think every city has their own standard on how they handle it. The Tuesday one across the state, I know a lot of different schools were preparing for this. They were going over the procedures with their kids that were inside the school. What do you do if something like this were to happen inside of the school? The thing that warned me about this, I asked my son, who was in class today, hey, did you hear the tornado siren that went off? And he said, no. Oh, uh, you didn't hear the tornado siren. That's strange because in an emergency, what would you have done if you didn't know the siren was going off? So does the principal go over the loudspeaker? Maybe that's the procedure. The drill happened. I think people understood that it was a drill, maybe a little bit scary. It's not as crazy as what happened in Hawaii a few years back when they sent out the, you know, oh, a missile is headed your way, false alarm. Oh, was that a crazy one? It wasn't that bad. And all things considered, in Missouri, when you read something like that, you probably went outside and looked anyway as opposed to uh, running and hiding. Why is that? Is that just a Missouri thing? Hopefully not uh, too many people were upset or worried about that. One other thing I noticed at KMOX.com, St. Louis ranks among Maui as one of the best spring break destinations for grownups. I don't quite understand this one. And I'm not saying anything bad about St. Louis, but I just don't understand why we would be right next to Maui as a spring break destination. Do a lot of spring breakers come to St. Louis? Do they say, wow, this year I'm saving up all my money and I am, oh, I am destined to take that trip to St. Louis. And I told my wife and I was talking to her and I said, oh, this will be great. Honey, we don't have to go anywhere. We don't need to go on vacation this year. See, right on this list, St. Louis is a destination. We just have to drive downtown for a day and it'll be like we went on vacation. She wasn't buying it. Why wasn't she buying it? I don't know. But here's what the website said. It's the cntraveler.com said, we dub St. Louis one of the best weekend getaways in the country. Destination certainly applies to a quick spring break vacation. Probably brings to mind visions of smoke, ribs, and brisket. Mm. Gets me excited just thinking about them. It says, take your pick from ramen bowls, po'boys, and small Italian plates, and yes, barbecue, and then burn those calories off at Forest Park. I don't think of ramen bowls when I think of St. Louis. I think of po'boys. Sure, I get that. I think of Italian plates like the barbecue and some of the unbelievable Italian food in the hill. Oh, is it so good? But I don't think ramen bowls. Why would that be included in this write-up? And why would that be right up front? Go come to St. Louis and get yourself one of our world-famous ramen bowls. (laughs) I'm just going to miss that. Uh, Forest Park is beautiful. Of course, we got a lot to be proud of here in St. Louis. It just surprised me when I saw worldwide destinations go down to Maui. And, there, you know, there's places in Mexico. There's uh, Savannah, Georgia's in there. I'm trying to look at some of the other destinations that they Belize, uh, other destinations in Mexico. Denver is on there. Uh, Dominican Republic, they mentioned a, a spot there. Uh, Palm Beach, Florida. Interesting list, to say the least. Oh, uh, and we don't have trolleys, as producer Mike points out. (laughs) That trolley is gone for good. Maybe that's one of the destinations now. We just missed out on it. Maybe they made their prediction or they, they made their list thinking we had a trolley, not realizing that the debacle is now gone for good. You know, by the way, talking about trolleys, our friend that 
we love talking trolleys with. Tom Sullivan's going to join us in the next hour. So there was a county council meeting and a decision on that disputed chair. What exactly happened there? And he'll talk about that later. And, you know, joining us later this hour is a professor at Vanderbilt University, a researcher on homelessness, Dr. Mary Beth Shin. So we're going to spend a half hour from about 830 to 9 talking about what she discovered in her research about homelessness and what we can do to try to fix it. St. Louis is one of those places that has a lot of issues when it comes to fixing homelessness. I think we went a step in the right direction taking some of that COVID money in the city. And then, I, you know, I keep saying that, but I got to double check that either way. But they were using some of uh, money that was available to them. We should probably put it that way. And they built that one homeless, small, tiny home community. And it was supposed to help with some of this transitional homelessness. So you could go there for, you know, six months or something while you're trying to find a job and get you off the street. And that, to me, it seems like it's a awesome opportunity and so far a success as they try to get people there hopefully that they're filled at uh, full capacity by now we haven't actually seen an update but they started this in december and january february we started to see the uh, occupancy rates rise but what exactly are other cities doing and what can st louis be doing better so dr mary beth shin later this hour will uh, talk about that too and dr michael bustler on the show tonight public policy analyst and economics expert. He's so good at breaking down things, anything financial. And there was an article that came out from Business Insider that said, we are rebounding as an economy in the cost of rising goods are going to be a huge concern moving forward. People are going to be really worried that everything's going to be just like gas prices. Everything's going to be rising here soon. So we'll get his take on that next hour. So a big show planned for you. If you want to join in, you can. 314 436-7900 or 800-925-1120. One quick thing after the break, I saw that Notre Dame was trending again. Why do we even care about these things? All of these things are debunked. What we do is we go back and we try to retrofit his thoughts into events that happened in our time. So it's so vague that none of it is like an actual, actual prediction. However, we keep looking at it, and there's a headline at KMOX.com that says what we can predict for this year. (laughs) Okay, a zombie apocalypse. So what did he have to say about that? I'll tell you right after the break. It's Overnight America, KMOX. Listening to KMOX has never been easier. Siri, play KMOX. Welcome back to Overnight America. We'll talk homelessness with Dr. Shin in about 10 minutes from now. KMOX.com has this one story that has the CDC taking advantage of mostly because they use any opportunity to get people prepared. And it's not a bad idea. They know how to grab people's attention. Notre Dame predicts zombie apocalypse will happen this year. <laughs> what a great what a great headline. Excuse me. The CDC says, be prepared for the zombie apocalypse. I don't know why government agencies decide to spend a lot of time on this, but we do know that there are government reports put together just in case there's a zombie apocalypse. The rise of zombies, it's something that I never considered as a viable option when I was younger. Like, think about all the different pop culture references from the 80s and 90s, things that you thought would be a much larger danger to you. Getting yourself caught in an abandoned refrigerator. Now, they've changed the way they make fridges, but if you remember, the old ones had this latching system with a big old handlebar on the outside, and once it latched closed, you couldn't open it from the outside. That was a big danger. Now everything's just you know magnetized, so it's easy to open these things up. So kids don't understand. That scared a lot of parents. Or falling in a well. 
80s and 90s. You think of baby Jessica or whatever that story was where one day you'll be in the well and then people will have to dig you out or, or quicksand. Oh, that's a big one, too. Quicksand definitely was one of the big problems right now. The big problem uh, that one day you'll just be walking and then the ground will give out from underneath you and you're in this liquidy sand. Yeah, that's one of those problems that I don't think anyone will ever encounter. And does anyone, I've never witnessed quicksand outside of watching YouTube videos. Zombies were not part of the plan. They never were taken seriously. I mean, there were zombie movies, but they weren't considered, I better prepare for this sort of thing. Just like someone would try to prepare you for a down power line or a scary looking dog that you don't know. So the French astrologer predicted that a zombie apocalypse would begin this year. And the CDC said, we better use this as an opportunity to try to get people on board. Here's what they say everyone should have in their home, at least a gallon of water per person per day. I don't know how long things would be knocked out, but think of it this way. If you have a family of four, so think about save at least four gallons of water for every day you think you'll need it, probably best to prepare out three to five days. Now, that's a lot of water to hold on to. A lot of people keep bottled water, but think of it this way. Whenever there is an emergency, what's the first thing to go inside of stores? Everyone grabs the water. Uh, Food, stock up non-perishable items. Medications, uh, which could include some prescriptions and non-prescription meds. Tools and supplies, uh, knives, battery-powered radios. I like those radios that you can crank with your hand and it creates uh, an opportunity for you to listen in KMOX. You better believe we have uh, all of the different emergency standards set in place. So you know what you're going to be listening to. You'll need that radio when everything else goes out. Sanitation and hygiene, uh, towels, soap, bleach, things like that. Bedding in other clothing options, important documents and first aid supplies. You don't want to get bit by a zombie, right? Is that how you turn into a zombie? Seems to work. Seems legit. So if they said the zombies were roaming the street, CDC would conduct an investigation um, about the disease and outbreak, and they're not going to be able to help you. If you actually see zombies walking down your street, just think of it this way. Five days of emergency <laughs> emergency rations will not be enough. You're in trouble, dude. <laughs> you might need a little bit more than that. You know what I decided to do? I thought, well, what are some of those predictions that were made about 10 years ago? Uh, what people thought would be happening in the year 2020. So this goes back to 2010. And they said, in 10 years from now, uh, here's what will be going down. And I thought this might be good because we're a year removed from 2020. We'll know if these predictions came true or not. Let's go through a few of them. And this is from the Chicago Tribune posted these predictions 10 years ago. 90% of all consumer goods will be home delivered. Eh, I wouldn't say 90%. There's a lot of home goods delivered, but I wouldn't put it at 90%. Here's another one. Biomonitoring devices that look like wristwatches will continuously update you on your blood chemistry and microchips implanted into your forearm will interact with the heating and lighting systems of your buildings you enter. So anyone have a chip? inside of them right now? No, no. Okay. That one did not come true. Rightfully so. I think a lot of people would resist it. I don't want no chip implanted in me. Give me it. Give me out of that. Opt out immediately. Animal to human transplants will be routine. Wow. These are some really ambitious 
types of predictions. I mean, they went all out. They thought in 10 years, we're going to be changing a lot. Don't they know we don't change as fast? Uh, the sky car that can take off and land like a helicopter will hit the market. <laughs> oh, man. And then it will compact into a briefcase and you can carry it into your work as you are on a conveyor belt into your desk where your boss will yell at you because your name is George Jetson. Another prediction. By the end of the decade, Americans will be fed up with substituting virtual life for real life. The backlash against facelessness will prompt a resurgence of person-to-person interactions. <laughs> All that didn't work out in a pandemic world. Oh, th- like this next prediction. All schools will be year-round, <laughs> except last year when they forced you out of the school. Oh, that's the worst. You go 10 years out, pandemic hits. Poor kids are begging to get back into school. and We're still trying to deal with that. So, okay, that prediction didn't really pan out. Uh, we'll see smart mobile robots used in homes and factories. Uh, kind of. Even Schnooks has those robots that roam the aisles now. Wearable computers uh, will free many people from offices. That's interesting. A lot of people have been freed from offices just for different reasons. It said within five years, 70% of new cars sold in the U.S. will be connected connected to the Internet. Uh, no, not quite. Smelly vision technology will be available to plant microchips loaded into chemicals onto our TVs and will be used to enjoy aromas that go with the fashions, cookery, travels, and gardening. Probably for the best. I have a six-year-old, so you watch those shows that have the passing gas jokes that kids love. Thank goodness the television itself doesn't omit that. We got enough of that going on anyway without a TV being involved. Universal preschool. I think you see a lot more of that. Uh, Instead of newspapers, you'll read a small lightweight computer the size of a cigar that scrolls out the news you choose. What? (laughs) You have a rolling device. Why would anyone think that would happen? (laughs) Oh, boy. Okay, these are some of the predictions that they had in 2010 that would happen in 2020. Not even close. All right, fine. Maybe you think some of those are more realistic than not, but I thought we'd get a good laugh out of it. Just as valid as the CDC saying, hey, we might have a zombie outbreak. We can look into the future of predictions we know that will be filed as not true. A look at your weather right after the break. And a professor at Vanderbilt University, a researcher on homelessness and the author of In the Mist of Plenty, Homelessness and What to Do About It, Dr. Mary Beth Shin joins us after the break on Overnight America KMOX. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? 
we make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. News Radio 1120 KMOX, the voice of the Cardinals. Welcome back to Overnight America. Wow, these nights, they just go by so quick. Thanks for spending it with us, choosing to spend it with us. And I wanted to bring on a guest, a professor at Vanderbilt University, a researcher on homelessness and author of a book called In the Mist of Plenty, Homelessness and What to Do About It. Dr. Mary Beth Shin, thank you for joining us on KMOX. Thanks so much for having me. Homelessness is an issue in a lot of cities, including St. Louis. I know that we particularly like to think it's one that we're alone, but man, so many cities have a hard time finding ways to combat this. We watch the coasts like the West Coast in Los Angeles and some of these places where it's just overrun. And I'm wondering what kind of things you found in your research, the state we're in right now in the United States when it comes to homelessness. Well, there's no state in the United States where a full-time minimum wage worker can afford a two-bedroom apartment, and there are precious few counties where that full-time worker can afford even a one-bedroom apartment or a studio. So it's not surprising that we have a lot of homelessness. And if you make housing affordable, uh, you can do something about it. So in a large study I was involved with, uh, we gave families access to housing vouchers that held their rent to 30% of their income. And that ended homelessness, it reduced residential moves, doubling up, and it had all kinds of radiating benefits for families. Uh, Less domestic violence, less substance abuse, less psychological distress, better food security, fewer behavior problems for kids, fewer separations of children from families, all by making housing affordable. Tell, tell me again about this voucher system. So you, you held it to a certain percentage of their income, and was it a nonprofit that was involved that would supplement the rest? Uh, it was the Department of Housing and Urban Development. It's called a Housing Choice Voucher or a Section 8 voucher, uh, and those are vouchers that uh, are available to some poor families or poor households uh, that stop people from overpaying on rent. But unfortunately, only about one in four, one in five of the households who are eligible for these can can get them because there just aren't enough to go around. I see. So I didn't realize. So Section 8, I didn't realize that was something that supplemented. I just figured that there would be something that the government just took care of. So is that common? Maybe I'm just learning about this in a mass way that I haven't realized before. Well, what, what it work, how it works is that the family or the household pays 30% of their income towards rent and utilities, right. and the government picks up the rest uh, and pays the landlord directly for the, the remainder up to what's called the fair market rent, kind of a low average rent in the area. 
I see. Okay, so see, I'm learning something a little bit new. So that voucher system has been around for a while then. Uh, so why haven't we seen more people use it? Is it just that it's underfunded and there's a bigger need for it today? It's underfunded. So it's grown from only about uh, $2 billion to $2.2 billion over the last 20 years as the population has increased uh, and there just aren't enough vouchers to go around. So waiting lists are long in many places, waiting lists are closed. Uh, and as I said, only about one in four, one in five eligible households can manage to secure one of these. So is this a temporary fix, the way the government looks at it, or is this a long-term solution, as in once you're on this, you're on it indefinitely? You're on it as long as you're eligible. So as your income increases, it becomes less and less valuable, right? You're paying it more and more of your income towards rent, or not, not a larger proportion, but as your income goes up, your ability to pay rent goes up. Um, and it stops being of any use. So most households stay on it for four or five years, but households with somebody with a disability might be on longer. Um, And so it it sort of adjusts to household needs. What do you find when it comes to the different properties that allow this sort of thing? So sometimes if you're looking for a place to live, they'll have a disclaimer on it very specifically if they accept that or not. Do you find that there are just less options for people to choose from that are desirable? Um, That is a problem. And there are two things that, that help there. One is that where there's legislation that says landlords can't discriminate on the basis of how the rent is going to get paid, source of income discrimination is is what it's called, Uh, it's easier to use those vouchers. But a lot of people turn back vouchers because they can't find a willing landlord uh, within the time allotted. Uh, The other thing that would help, um, and some communities have this, is what's called a small area fair market rent. So the vouchers are keyed to the rent in the vicinity. And if the vicinity is a great big metropolitan area, greater St. Louis, um, that means that you'll overpay in some poor neighborhoods and you'll underpay in some wealthy neighborhoods. And so households get shunted into the poorer neighborhoods. But if you have these small area fair market rents down to the level of, say, a zip code, that enables families or uh, households to rent in a variety of neighborhoods. I found here in St. Louis, they decided to put together a park of these tiny homes. And I know that some other places have experimented with that before. So do you see that as a viable option in the future for temporary housing for the homelessness? Well, I think we need to experiment with a variety of different kinds of housing, manufactured housing, that's trailers, uh, modular housing, uh, single room occupancy hotels, uh, these days it's called co-housing, where you uh, have a uh, private area that's small and you share some amenities with, with your neighbors. Um, so I think we need a variety of different kinds of, of housing. Uh, I don't think the tiny house market is going to approach the scale that we need. The scale but, that we have know, here in St. Louis. Yeah, I, I, you know, I can see that. And I think all cities are trying to find that right thing to do. And over on the West Coast, you look at places like Los Angeles that have these entire uh, tent cities, these encampments and the 
conditions are not sanitary. They're just overwhelmed by the amount of homelessness. And they found that it's better to just let them set up camp wherever they want to as the solution, which doesn't really fix anything. And the skyrocketing cost of living in places like that make it nearly impossible for anyone to get back onto their feet. There's even these states that would be more than happy to ship you out of their state if they have an option to give you a bus ticket or something. They'll send you somewhere else gladly so they don't have to deal with you. That's kind of the state we're in in a lot of issues. So what what needs to be done outside of more government money? So is there anything that needs to be done mm-hmm. on the the level for us to better understand homelessness, something that would be less of a, a, a physical thing and more of an understanding? Um, well, I think... Uh, Homelessness is basically a problem of affordable housing, and whether housing is affordable or not depends on people's income, and it depends on the rent. And so, as you point out, homelessness is higher in areas like West Coast cities where the rents are also higher. Um, And so anything we can do to raise incomes at the bottom or that we can do to reduce rents uh, will make a difference. And some of those are things that don't involve money. They involve zoning. So often we have zoning that excludes multifamily dwellings or that requires that single-family homes have to be on a certain acreage. And those kinds of rules drive up the cost of housing. So if we can make it easier to create multifamily housing, if we can make it easier to for people to put accessory dwelling units, that is, you know, a, a grandma uh, uh, house on, on their lot, uh, that will make it easier to produce enough housing uh, for people. If we think about different kinds of housing, we may be able to produce cheaper housing. And if we think about raising incomes at the bottom, and there are lots of ways to do that, uh, from minimum wage to benefits programs of various sorts. In the Midst of Plenty is the name of your book, Dr. Mary Beth Shin, your professor at Vanderbilt University. So let me look at this in a way that would be some of the concerns, and maybe you could try to debate or dispel some of them. So let's say I'm a homeowner. You know, I don't want my uh, my home values to be devalued by splitting lots and now you're building other structures on other lots so that all of a sudden becomes something that would be less desirable in the neighborhood because you know it's it's when you have a, a certain neighborhood and all of a sudden that you have one lot that's split up in a lot of different ways or like how about this like in Los Angeles people are talking about how they're allowing the tent cities to go wherever they want in the sense that they're saying that you can have a million dollar property and then across the street, you have a bunch of tents, unsanitary, you, you, you know, they don't have access to restrooms. There might be syringes and other things that their kids are walking by. So they have a huge complaint of the way that this sort of thing's being handled. So when we're trying to jam more people into a smaller space and trying to make it more affordable, why don't we send out? Why don't we try to find ways to make it so we can find a place that's more affordable for the homeless as opposed to trying to bring them into a a, a more confined area? Mm-hmm. Well, I'd certainly rather have a nice affordable housing project across the street than an encampment. Um, so uh, we can think about what, what the alternatives there uh, are. And as you say, the you know tent encampments also encroach on everybody's quality of life. Uh, but there's no place to send folks that's affordable. That is, you know, back in the 1970s, we had more low-income housing than we had people, more housing units that people who were poor could afford uh, than there were people. 
And that surplus in the 1980s turned to a deficit and a deeper and deeper deficit and homelessness arose. Uh, in some ways, it's the, the worst manifestation of inequality because the rents kept going up, but incomes didn't keep up with, with the rents. Uh, and that's what led us to the problems that we have today. And as I said, there's no place in the country where a full-time year-round 52 weeks a year, 40 hours a week worker can afford the fair market rent for a two-bedroom apartment. So some of the other things that you see, there are certain things that could be tied to homelessness that, you know, some people would find concerning, you know, dependencies and other things that, and the thing when it comes to homelessness, you could be someone that has everything together and you're just one lost job away from hitting the street. It's, it's very concerning because this can hit anyone. It's, it's not just something that is confined to any individual. This could wreck anyone's life in a matter of a year or even less. So I, I just wanted to point that out, but there are other situations where the cause of homelessness is tied to other things like dependencies and such. So when you talk about, um, well, what we're going to do is we're going to take certain areas and then we're going to open it up to things that would be less desirable. How do you how do you separate the people that need help and maybe affordable housing isn't the answer? Maybe it's trying to get them in with uh, you know medical professionals, mental health professionals, things like that, so they're getting the treatment they need as opposed to just getting a house and being left alone. Mm-hmm. Um, well, certainly some people need more than just housing, but everybody needs affordable housing. Um, and so there's a model that works for folks with serious mental illnesses and substance use problems. It's called Housing First, and it starts with affordable housing. You put people in housing, uh, often with private landlords, and an agency that offers wraparound services, but those services are under people's control. So people are choosing the services they want. Services don't work very well when you foist them down somebody's throat, Uh, but they work much better if people choose them freely. And some of the services that are important are services to landlords, Uh, to make sure that the landlord has somebody to call um, if there's a problem Uh, or if the the tenant is hearing voices and goes crawling into the the wall uh, to come in and plaster and paint before the landlord even has to worry about it. Um, So that kind of model with wraparound services under people's control, but without prerequisites for getting into housing, you you put people in the housing, the housing is a right, and then you offer them the services, they avail themselves of the ones they find useful. Um, That works beautifully to get even people with serious mental illness and substance problems off the street and housed with decency and dignity. Great. Do you mind holding on after the break? I'd love to talk to you more about this. Super. And if people wanted to find your book, uh, where can they look? Uh, it's on Amazon or Barnes and Noble. Uh, not not necessarily every bookstore, but it's it's out there. Yeah, in the midst of plenty homelessness and what to do about it, Dr. Mary Beth Shin will continue with her right after the break on Overnight America KMOX. Now back to Overnight America on KMOX, sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts, michaelsflooringoutlet.com. She's a professor at Vanderbilt University, a researcher on homelessness and the author of In the Midst of Plenty, Homelessness and What to Do About It, Dr. Mary Beth Shin. Thank you again for hanging around with us tonight on Overnight America. My pleasure. So my producer, Mike, was wondering if you call your security team the Shin Guards. 
<laughs> extra N in the uh, in the name, but I certainly used to use them when I played field hockey. Oh, not bad. All right. So uh, something you mentioned right before the break, and I wanted to ask you because I wasn't sure if I heard that right. So are you approaching homelessness? Do you believe housing is a right? Uh, I do believe that housing is a right. Um, not everybody agrees with me on that. Uh, but housing is essential for people to get on with their lives. Um, and it's in all of our interests to house all of our neighbors. Uh, but I do think that food, shelter, clothing are human rights. So do you think that the government then should be creating more government housing if, uh, if it's a right provided by the government as opposed to, let's say, an individual landlord that owns a property or a complex? Well, I think government has a responsibility to set the stage so that people can afford housing. Uh, and that includes providing some housing subsidies for people who can't afford housing on their own. It includes uh, trying to have basic income supports for, for example, people with disabilities uh, who aren't able to, to work on their own so that they can afford housing. It includes uh, thinking about zoning uh, in ways that permit housing to be built uh, and a variety of housing uh, options to be built so that everybody can find something. So moving forward, do you think that homelessness will ever be solved? Yes, I think we're, it's in our power to do it. Uh, Finland has essentially ended homelessness with a concerted effort. They're not as wealthy as the United States, but they put their minds to it. We cut veteran homelessness in half uh, by uh, focused efforts, by providing more vouchers and doing short-term uh, rental subsidies, doing prevention, basically HUD and the Veterans Administration and state and local governments, mayors, uh, put their minds to it. And we cut veteran homelessness in half. I mean, we really didn't have homelessness in the 1970s. Uh, we had a few people in Skid Rows. Uh, they were an older uh, generation. One of the books at the time was called Old Men Drunk and Sober. And social scientists thought that when that generation passed, homelessness would as well. But as housing costs began to outpace people's incomes, um, that's not what happened. We didn't end homelessness. We uh, started to see more and more of it. Uh, and new groups of people, uh, young men, minorities, women, and even families, um, today, the age at which you are most likely to be in a homeless shelter is infancy. Um, you know, infants are wonderful, uh, but they are also costly, and they take parents out of the workforce, or they require people to pay for their care. And so it's not surprising that young families are some of the folks that are experiencing homelessness. So, Dr. Mary Beth Shin, your book, In the Midst of Plenty, where can people find it if they wanted to check it out? It's at Amazon. It's at Barnes & Noble. You can get it in hard copy. You can get an electronic version. Well, you can find it on their homelessness and what to do about it. Thank you so much for coming on tonight and talking a little bit about this subject. We know it's a, a big deal here in St. Louis. It's something we've fought for an awful long time, something that we're always trying to find solutions for. Thank you for spending some time tonight. Thanks so much for having me.
And Dr. Mary Beth Shin joins us on the Bomberito Automotive Group guest line. Uh, interesting studies there for sure. Yeah. St. Louis has had its problems. I should have brought up Larry Rice's outfit and everything he's done since the seventies, even to try to help homelessness. And when you have these private entities that are doing everything they can and still uh, having issues with it. So coming up right after the break, Dr. Michael Bussler, he's a public policies analyst an economics expert and a professor of finance at Stockton university. Prices are rising. It's not just gas. What are we going to do about it? And what does that mean when it comes to rebounding the economy? This is uh, overnight America KMOX. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s. It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.